morning. Everybody hear me all right? Good. Welcome, everyone. Goody, goody. Goody two-shoe. Holier than thou art. Mr. High and Mighty, you think you're so much better than everybody else because you know Jesus. World's perspective. Fair? Unfair? True? Untrue. That's the reality of their perspective. It's their truth. It's what they think about us. Christian slang. Have we heard it before? We think we're, there. We think we're so much better than them because we have Jesus. When you go and you talk to somebody and you share your faith, sometimes we come across as if we're on that platform or a little higher. I don't think we do it on purpose, but we do have to bear a little bit of a responsibility on how we come across. See, remember, we've been talking about faith for the last few, few weeks. All the different speakers that have come, we've all kind of wanted to share a little bit about faith and bring the idea of faith. People can't see faith. They can't touch faith. We talked about that last time. They, how do we show our faith? We show our faith by our works. Good works, right? We show our faith through our good works. We pray when we go. I pray every time when we go play softball that we, our attitudes and our actions reflect our testimony of God, right? That's what we pray before we go and play. And my praying that we do what? We behave correctly. We do good works. We don't swear. We don't, don't say bad things, right? That we say good things. Well, that's what the world sees. They see that we're goody-goodies, that we're goody-two-shoes, that we have everything in life. We talked about another week ago that we, um, sometimes we even, when I was preaching a sermon about be real, get real, stay real, we talked about even in here, in our own family, people that we see weekly, we look across the pew and we think they have everything together. Look at their kids. They're sitting perfect. I'm lassoing mine, trying to keep mine from getting all over the place, and your kids are sitting there perfect. You should have saw my car ride here in the morning. Right? We think that. But my wife goes and talks to that other wife and realizes they had the same car ride. It just didn't look like that when you got here. We talked about the facade. We walk around. We shake hands. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. Everything's fine. Liar. We talked about that. That's what the world sees. That's their perspective. Our challenge today is how are we going to change that? How can we change that? It's hard. It's scary. Because you've got to put yourself out there. You open yourself up to judgment. Can you handle that? Can your faith handle that? That's what we're going to look today about. That's our challenge today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Job. Look. Church, you can't talk about faith and not handle the story of Job. Yet you have to. I was waiting for weeks to talk about this story. We did it in the youth a little bit. If you're going to preach on faith, you really have to look at Job. Job, his story, it's a, it's a wisdom literature. It's really long, so there's no way I'm going to even scratch the surface. Uh, there's chapters among chapters of just conversations uh, between Job and his so-called three friends. So we're, we'll talk about that a little bit. But it, it's, a, it's a long story. It's kind of like almost like a play, the way it's written. You have characters, and I'll talk about them as well. 
of who's all involved. But Job, you, you have to know the story of Job if you're going to understand your faith. So let's look at Job chapter 1. That's where we're going to start. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to chapter, uh, chapter 1 in the book of Job. So there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And the man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest in all the people of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast to, in their house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feasts have run their course, Job would send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning, and he would offer burnt offerings according to the number of them. For Job said, It may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered, the Lord said, from going into, going from on the earth and walking up and down it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, blameless and upright, who fears God and turns away from evil. And Satan answered the Lord and says, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? Have you blessed the work of his hands and possessions have increased in the land? But stretch out your hand, touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger and said to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And the Sibians fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with an edge of the sword. And I alone escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While yet he was speaking, there came yet another and said, The Chaldeans formed three groups, made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of a sword, and I have alone escaped to tell you. And while yet he was speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest house. Behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and fell upon the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I have come from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. So when your faith is being tested, that's the title of my message today. When our faith is being tested, that's a heck of a story 
Job just lost everything. But something to really note before we get into everything is the characters, right? You picked up on them, a couple of them right there. God, Satan, sons came before God. Those are the angels come into reporting. Satan came with them. God asked him a question. He knew the answer, right? He knows the answer. Of course he knows the answer to the question. God knows everything. Satan's reply was going to and from the earth. What's he doing going to and from the earth? We, we know this. This is a verse I share. It's one of my favorites. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, right? Satan prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to whom he can devour. He was going to and from the earth, walking up and down it, looking with someone to mess with. Then he gets so bold and he gets in God's face and says, you know why I can't find anybody? Because you protect them all. They only serve you because it's so good for them. We got it great because we have Jesus, right? Our life is so much better than everybody else. That's, that's where that mentality comes from. Satan's the deceiver. Put it out there. Even threw it in God's face. Oh yeah, God, God's got, oh yeah? Have you thought about my servant Job? There's something to see right there in the beginning when we look at Job's character. Circumstances gives God the opportunity to show show us what he sees in us. I think, if memory serves me right, I will admit I didn't go back and listen to all the sermons of all the people who have been preaching recently. I think it was Brother John who mentioned that God has a way of seeing much more in us than what we see. Circumstances, negative ones, are the way he brings it out in us. Right? When your back is up against the wall, what's inside is going to come out. That's when your stuff comes out. When your back is up against the wall. When you're going through a really tough time, that's when your true self shows. To get up to the top of the hill, you've got to start at the bottom. We all climb hills in our lives. So for all of us to have hills, you've got to start at the bottom. You have to climb to get to the top. You have to go through those circumstances. It's, it's almost like weightlifting, but emotionally. You have to go through those, those circumstances to build your emotional muscles, your faith muscles, your reliance on God. That's how you get stronger. That's how your faith is increased. Our circumstances help define who we are. We see that in six, verses 6 through 12. I just said the story in a way how the, the cast of characters were playing out. The thing that we need to notice, God knew Job's response and who he was going to be in his circumstances by what? His character. What do we see right in the beginning of verses 4 and 5? What did Job do? Every day he went and he did a burnt offering for his children just in case they cursed God in their hearts. That tells God an awful lot. He sees way more about Job by that humbling act than anybody else knows about Job. And we're going we're gonna to see that, that God is going to pull that out in Job, that humility, that deep sense of caring for his family's eternal state is going to come out in the end. God has a way of bringing that out in us through our circumstances. He already knew the answer when he said, did you consider my servant Job? Because Job's undying desire to go and to give burnt offerings for his children, just in case they said, 
we have that sometimes we think our kids are perfect. Oh, they don't mess up. Maybe some of us know the truth, but sometimes people can get so up on themselves that they think they are so good and their kids are so perfect, they don't... I mean, right, you've met those fathers. Our kid's the next quarterback of the Eagles. Oh my gosh, did you see that kid throw a ball? He can't even go five yards. This guy thinks his kid's going to be the next quarterback. Heisman Trophy Award winner right here. We just, you know, we mean well, but we, we have a, a tendency to puff that up a little bit um, and think a little bit higher than what's there. Job did the opposite. He went and he consummated, he gave offerings just in case he, his kids, he knew that most likely his kids messed up. Most likely that he knows they're not perfect. Yeah, you know what, I'm going to go. And he did this on a consistent basis. Next, you see that it also helps define who we are. I would say more re- refine who we are, right? We're, we're go, we go through this thing called sanctification. I'm working on my basement right now. We had water damage in our basement. And I'm putting drywall up and put anyone who's done drywall, I don't really do it, but you want to get to that finished product, right? Where you have a wall, it's flat, it's smooth, and it's painted. Well, I'm not there yet. But I'm putting a wall up, and you have, when you put their seams, right? So you have to tape it, and you have to plaster it. And when you put that plaster on it, it dries. It's rough. It's uneven, and there's sharp little pokey things sticking out from where the plaster was pulling off, and it dried when you pulled the trowel away, and there's marks everywhere. So you have, what do you have to do? You have to sand it, smooth it down, get a little more even, then you got to do it again. And you got to do it again. Three, four coats later, and a big pile of white dust on the ground, now you have hopefully a smoother wall, and then you can paint it, and then it should hopefully look like that. I think I'm close. But that's a process of refining. You know, we sing the song, Refiner Fire, right? God refines us. He sanctifies us through that continual process. Well, how do you have the rough stuff? The rough stuff, because we're not finished, we're blemished. We have marks. We have rough patches. God's got to smooth that out. He's got to sand us down. How does he sand us down? Through trials. Through going through things. Recognizing that we need some work. Show us where we've made the mistakes. We have to be open to that. But that's what he's doing. Circumstances help us define or refine who we are. He refines us through our trials, through our tribulations. Your responses, this is where you get to the little harder spot, your responses reveal the condition of your faith. See, faith, like we said, you can't see it, can't touch it, can't know it's there, feel it, right? It's like a uniform. When you see somebody in a cami green, you know that's an army. See someone in a pearly white, it's a navy guy. You see someone in that glorious Kelly green, you know that's an Eagles fan, right? You see somebody in that gaudy purple, oh, that's Baltimore Ravens. Okay. We identify people by the uniform. Life is our uniform. We all have the same one looks a little different, but everybody has the same uniform. How we wear it, per se, through our faith, gives it a different look. But everybody has the same uniform. We don't want to come across that we're different than anybody else. How do we do that? 
how do we do that? Our response shows the condition of our faith. Strength or strong or weak, that's our response. We go and we witness to somebody and we tell them about God. What are we, what are we selling them? For lack of better words, stick with me on the sale idea. Okay, We know Jesus is free and he doesn't cost anything. But stick with me when we're on the sale idea. We go and we tell somebody about Jesus. What do we tell them? We say, God is good. God is great. We don't go say, come join Jesus here. Life's going to be despair. We don't do that, right? We go and we tell them how great God is and how much he's done for us. He saved us from our sins. He sent his, his son to die on the cross. That is where people tend, rightfully or unrightfully so, the world thinks that we come across that we're better than everybody else. My father, I mean, he used to look at my sister and say she's high and mighty. He used to tell me that. Why did he do that? Do I think she's high and mighty? No. But I also know her a lot better than he did. She shared with me her despair. She shared with me when she was struggling. She trusted me. I was a little more safe of a person to come talk to. But if we don't share with the world when we're struggling... That's why they think we're so much better than everybody else. We have it all figured out. When is God at his strongest? When we are at our weakness. When we are at our weakest point. Amen? God is strong when we are weak. But we don't show that part. We don't show that part. The world does not see that part. They don't come and see the uniform. We look just like them. We look just like them. We are... I'm a regular Joe, right? I'm a regular guy. I'm no better than any of you, and I'm definitely no better than anybody else. Because I know where I came from. I know what's in my heart. I know what God saved me from. What's different? What is different? I tell, I tell you we're not different, but there is something that is different. I don't go alone. I don't go at it alone. Life is the same. We just, we just are what? This last couple weeks, we've had devastating disasters. Okay? Well, as we're about to get into the next part of the message, is those people's fault? Did they do something to deserve their house being destroyed? Did Job deserve what happened to him in this story? We're going to look a little more closely at that. The difference is that I don't have to go out life alone. Life is the same. We have good times and we have bad times. The Christian life is not any easier. Everybody out here that you've been saved, you know. The difference, though, is that you have a Savior that promises never to leave or to forsake you. And He is the strongest when you are at your weakness. That's the difference. That's what we need to share, but how do we share that if all they, if we all ever share is the happy side of things? See, the challenge to all of us today going forward, hopefully if you catch this, is that you need to go show the strongest God possibly. Because what's the point? I know Bill said this. We've, we've been talking about this for the last few weeks. It's not about us. 
hate to break it to you if you didn't know that yet, but it's not about us. What are we here to do? We're here to praise God. We're here to worship God. It's all about Him. And the best way I know to show God at His best is to talk about when He is strongest. And to do that is to share when we are at our weakest. It takes a very, I don't know, I would say brave in some ways, because you're really throwing yourself out there. You're really opening up. You're very, you got to be very vulnerable. you got to be willing to set, even open yourself up to unfair judgment that somebody's going to look at you and they're going to respond the way some of his friends did. And we're going to look at that next. But that's what we have to do. That's the challenge for us to be willing to go, you know what? I have had a really good opportunity this last week to join the Lions Club in my neighborhood. And um, I could go in there. I could, you know, the second I walked in, they were about to eat. I don't know anybody in there yet. And the guy who brought me He's a Catholic guy, so I think he was the one doing the prayer before the meals. I mean, it blew my mind. We go into this building. We said the pledge. We sang poorly, but we sang God Bless America. No music, just random people trying to sing God Bless America. I was shocked I even could recall the words. I have not sang that song in a really long time. And we don't even say the pledge at school anymore. So I was like, wow, this organization, obviously they have... God in the right spot, at least on the surface so far. And then we prayed before the meal. And the guy who brought me there, who invited me in, I guess I'm assuming he must do the prayers normally, but I'm standing there and he, he goes, guys, we have a new member tonight, Tim, and he's studying to be a pastor. Let's let him pray. That was my introduction. I don't know anybody there, but uh, he had me pray. What a really cool opportunity. But my point is there became a discussion on some topics and things and, and about how to handle this. And they weren't there that night, but there's apparently a lesbian couple there that are members. And they might feel differently about a situation that we were talking about. It was very interesting. Um, and I just listened. I didn't, I didn't get involved. But had a guy ask me, came up and he started almost apologizing that there was an argument and things going on. And it was a discussion and about... You know, this whole situation, I was like, well, why are, you, why are you apologizing? Well, we just don't want that to offend you. I'm like, I work in the bank, and all the different branches, I have worked with a lot of individuals that are different, that are homosexual. I've had bosses, managers that are women, that are lesbians. I deal with it all the time. Um, it was, I just found it very interesting that they assumed that I'd have an issue. Um, and I got to share a little bit because the topic we were talking about was, was um, discrimination, you know, that they would feel discriminated if we supported an organization that has been outwardly, you know, outward, spokenly outward against uh, the LGBT, whatever community, um, all the letters that are there now. So um, they have been outspoken against them. So, but I just sat back and I said, you know what, I, at the end I talked to the leader and said, you know, I could come in here and hear that you guys have people here that think differently than I do, right? And I could say, oh, I don't want to join this group because you obviously support uh, the gay and lesbian community because you have members that are. And I could leave. And I say, that's against my beliefs, and I could leave. And he goes, yeah, I guess you could. And I said, I said, but 
that's discriminating as well. Like they're discriminating against the people who don't like them. Hate is hate. If you if you hate that group for hating you, that's the same thing. It's discriminatory either one way or the other. And the guy looked at me, he's like, Wow, you have a really good point. I said, Last I knew, I was called to love everyone. Now I'm not saying condone that actions. We didn't get into that discussion. But I was just I was just sharing with him, I'm not gonna look at that and say, I don't want to join because of them. No, my opportunity is I can join and be that light and show my faith. I'm not going to judge them. That's not my job. That's God's job. But it was a really cool opportunity. It just found it interesting how they just assumed that I would have an issue. I was better than them. I was holier than thou art, or high and mighty. Um, but because I was, for that time, I was humble. I didn't consider myself better than others. I really opened the platform, I think, on that very first. And you know, first impressions are everything. Um, so pray for that going forward for me, because that's a, that's a gold mine of opportunity to get into my community. I just have people falling in my lap asking for help now. So um, it's a good opportunity. But I could have tried to, you know, let my political stance or my religious stance, you know, but that's not what I'm about. I'm about relationships. That would burn those bridges really quick if I would do that. Now, if I'm asked, if I, you know, one of the guys said, well, it's not their fault. They were made like that. Okay, I didn't get into that argument. I don't agree with they weren't made that way, but that's for a later time. Maybe one-on-one off topic, maybe we'll discuss that. But for that moment, I was there to represent, you know, uh, uh, love, not hate. Because they were talking about hate. And I wasn't there to do that. Um, Sorry to get off topic a little bit. But that shows the world's mindset around Christianity. It really does. You have to know the enemy we're up against. Satan had that same mindset when he approached God about Job. Or about the people. He's like, they're only praising you because things are good. That's discriminatory. Right? He thinks less. He's trying to you know, arouse the situation. Um, so let's look at, let's look at the, the, the three friends that came. We didn't read that in the chapter, but I, if, I hope you guys read this story. I want to set a little bit of the, the plot that goes along with this mindset. So Job, you have, we talked about God, we talked about Satan. And, and obviously, look, I don't want to leave this out either. If you picked up on it when we were reading it, God, Satan came to God. And God gave Satan permission to mess with Job. But he said, you can't, you know, you can't strike him down. Because in chapter 2, we're not going to go there, but after Job lost all his sheep and oxen and his children, Satan goes back to God again and says, skin for skin, go to the bone." If you strike somebody at their core, they're just going to curse you to your face. Because the first action didn't work. What was Job's response? His response to reveal the condition of his heart. God already knew the condition of his heart because, what? How humble he was. How much he cared for his children's eternal state. God knew. Job's response was, what? He tore his robes. He shaved his head. And he said, naked I enter this earth. Naked I will go. Nothing he got was on his own merit. Completely against the world mindset, right? 
all came from God. He recognized that. That revealed his faith. He had so much faith that God would supply what he needed. That God gave him that. He didn't earn it, but everybody else looked at him how great he was. He was the greatest in all the East. He was the man. He was a winner. That was the world mentality, right? So so as he struck down, second chapter tells us, skin and skin to the bone, Satan strikes Job's health. Boils and sores all over his body. He is miserable in pain. Taking a broken shard from a pot, scraping himself how much pain he's in. Some of us have cancer, debilitating diseases, pain all the time, right? You can maybe identify with what Job's going through. I have a neighbor who has lupus. She gets sores just open up all over her body. Big pain, right in the muscles of her legs. She gets these big welts and sores. feel terrible. So I, I kind of had almost a visual aid of what Job was getting, so to speak, as I was working through this message this week. She showed me pictures. She comes to the bus stop. Her daughter's in our son's class. She has sores. It's awful looking. So Job's in pain, despair, and here comes these three friends. Now, these three friends at first, they meant well. They organized. They made a plan. They came from foreign areas. They all kind of just got together and said, let's go. Job's in despair. Let's encourage him. So first we want to state they did mean well. So they come. They even see him from afar and realize, wow, I don't even even recognize him. He looks awful. Looks terrible. And And they wept. They really, in their heart of hearts, really did care. They were hurt by how much obvious pain that he was in. Then they sat for seven days. Didn't talk. They prayed. So you have empathy. You have time. Those are two big things in grieving and caring for somebody. So let's note those positive things and put that in the bucket because unfortunately there's not too much more that comes out of that for these guys. So his three friends... I have Job there in the cast of characters if you're following your note sheet. Let's just hit Job's traits and qualities first. We saw that in the beginning of the chapter. Job was without moral blemish. He was was blameless, which is without moral blemish or morality as a whole. Or morally whole, I'm sorry. He was upright. Straight in the sense of, of not deviating from God's standards. So you can write that in there. I can go slower if you need to or He feared God. He revered and submitted to God's majesty. He shunned evil. He rejected the opposite of God's character. So that's Job in a nutshell. Let's see the first visitor he had. And like I said, through this story, you know, we got almost 50-some chapters. I don't have time to go through 50-some chapters. Some of these guys' conversation with Job are, are a couple chapters in length. Then you have Job's response. And then you have another one of these altercations that he had. I think about this as like a neighbor that I have. Or you could say a country song. My dog died, my wife let me, my truck, my truck broke down. You know, all those things that happen in, in all of our lives. How do we comfort that? How do we have the right testimony and not come 
from this platform. Jesus met us at the same level, right? We need to remember how to do that. Um, so his first friend, Ilphaz, Ilphaz the Tenemite. I kind of, kind of read through all of them, and I just kind of made my own little descriptive. This is mine, um, as you can tell. He's a do-gooder. The, he's a goody-goody. He, he thinks everything's about the, the balance of life. He's all about the importance of living a good life. His quote to Job is, don't be discouraged because you lived well. At least you had all that stuff. You lost it, but at least you had it. That's his mentality. Do we know anyone like that? Do we know any? I see every day on the sports stage, I see all these former athletes. The list of the top ten most broke athletes. I'm sorry, I don't feel sad for them. They had millions, right? It just shows that nothing fills that void. Even for a millionaire athlete. These guys had millions and millions of dollars and lost it all. But that's kind of the world mentality. At least he had it. I wish I was him, right? Some people say, oh, I would, if I could trade my life, I would be that guy for one day. Because he had all that money. Now he, has, now he doesn't have it. So that's Ilfaz, the Tenemite. So he has this conversation. His, his basic idea to Job is, well, at least you had a, a good life. That was his kind of whole thought around Job's deal and all his despair and all his pain and suffering. I don't know if I'd go to him for grief counseling, but, you know. Bildad, how, how good does Bildad do? Well, Bildad, the shoe type, he's Mr. High and Mighty. He has no tack. He sits there, he listens to Ilfaz talk to Job and, and give his two cents, and boom, he's right on it. He's like, let's call a spade a spade. It's your fault. That's, what, that's, his, that's his take. He's like, he's bold in his self-confidence that he insists that all the suffering is a result of his mistakes and sin. You must have did something, Job. Job's rebuttal is, I didn't do anything. I really didn't do anything. Not having that. He's not, he's not dealing with that. How long are you going to say such things? Is his quote. Your words are like a blustering wind. You're a windbag. You're a blo- you're a blabbermouth. That's what that's what he's telling his friend. That's his. You protest your innocence, but look around you, man. It's all your fault. Do we have any friends or any people we know like that in our lives? Hopefully, we're not like that to anybody. Hopefully, that's not our counseling message or method. I don't I don't believe it is, but. The world I tell you there's people I have experienced some bad quote unquote Christian in my lifetime. I was treated that I was lesser because I didn't go to the same high school, that I wasn't from their societal group. I was bullied, I was picked on, I was made to feel inferior, and I wasn't even saved at that time at a youth group. They missed, they missed the, the opportunity. They just missed it all together. But the world gets that thought through their experiences. And their experiences are their reality. Their perception, true or true or fair or unfair, is the reality. So again, my challenge is let's not add to that. Let's help break that down. <clears throat> 
let's look at the last guy, Zophar, the nanomite. The nano, yeah, the nanomite. Mister, I am better than you. So he's the youngest of the three friends. He's the last to speak, so they kind of went in pecking order, I would assume. Kept his mouth shut long, long enough, and he was, he was kind of like Peter. I got the sense that he was the jump right in type guy because he had all the answers, but he was the youngest, which sometimes us young people think we've been there, done that, but wisdom tends to show otherwise. So his, his message to Job was, you say to God, you say, you say to God, my beliefs are flawless and I am pure in sight. Oh, how I wish God would speak that you would, op- that you would open his lips against you and disclose to you the secrets of wisdom. For true wisdom has two sides. Know this, God's even forgotten some of your sins. His message is, ooh, if God could only tell what you really did. See, he, was, he just thought he knew it all. He had the wisdom and foresight to know, there's always two sides to every story, Job. I think you got a dirty little secret has to be it, right? There's no reason why you're suffering that way if you didn't do something. Interesting perspective. I think I probably know some people like that. I think I work with people like that. Even though sometimes they don't keep some of those secrets so so secretive and I tell me a lot more than I want to know about their life. Um, Even though I do care about them, but sometimes they share way more in the public setting than really should share in the professional public workplace. But um, that's how it goes. And this youngster comes in and he thinks he has all the answers. Um, and that's his, that's his charge to Job. Now, I'm not going to beat down on this one too long, but look, let's look at Job's wife. If you never heard this story before, this is the famous one, right? So I quoted, I coined Job's wife as, Oh, is she of little faith instead of ye of little faith? Um, Job's wife answers is this. Are you still holding to your integrity? After all this, you're still holding on to your integrity. Just curse God and die. Just get it over with, man. You, your sins destroyed our whole family. Our ten kids are gone. Our wealth are gone. Our flocks are gone. Our servants are gone. It's all your fault. Yet you sit there and remain your, and hold on to what you say. That's not the case, right? So that's what she's saying. So, if you're witnessing to somebody, and they were to come and say to you, well, yeah, you, I mean, you just, you have it all. You're, you just, everything is good because you know God, right? Yep. You want to meet him? <laughs> That's what I would do at first. Amen, right? Yeah, absolutely. You want to meet him? Because once they know him, they're going to really realize that they're wrong on that. I don't think anybody really shared with Job's friends. Job tried, but they weren't really willing to listen to it. Yep, my life's great. It's not. But let me tell you why it's great. Or why you think it's great. Because in all of Job's despair, all of the trials that Job went through, all the circumstances 
everything that he endured. And spoiler alert, he got double back at the end of the story. Okay, spoiler, sorry. Still read the book. But I did just blow the whole end of the movie. No. He, get, he got double back. And um, for everything that his counselors told him, he rebutted it back, but they just weren't in a sense to listen. They weren't. They, they knew it all. And yes, we are going to come up to people in the world that are not going to be ready to hear what we have. And they're going to stand firm on their judgment and their slang terms. I'm an uppity up. I'm high and mighty. Um, and unfortunately, I felt my dad still felt that way about my sister. And I tried to show him how she's not so high and mighty. But she comes across, like, on the outside, that she's got it all together. Well, she works hard at it. But he also never saw the, the despair, the hurt, some of the trials that she went through. Look, if you adopt three children, and two of them stateside, through the foster care system, you got issues. I mean, you got troubles. You got to deal with birth parents, other siblings. Two of my nephews are both of like nine kids, forcible removals through the system. Moms that are prostitutes and drug addicted. And look, her life's not perfect. You know, I mean, my dad just didn't, he failed to see that because he looked at his suffering. See, Job didn't just look at his suffering. Yeah, he despaired a little in there, in the middle. He, he a little. But um, he held firm. He battled back against these three so-called friends. I don't know if I really call them friends anymore once you read the story. But um, So what do we do? So we're, we're witnessing to somebody, and they, they say that we're just, we got it all made. You have it all together. Okay, if you want to you think that. See, we have to connect. We have to connect. And unfortunately, when you, the world has a view that God is so up here, and He is. That is right. God is up here. So if you claim the name of Christ as a Christian, they immediately put you up there. They do. I'm sorry. That, that is the truth. I, I was on the other side. I will admit, I was on those kids in the youth group that were treating me like garbage, I thought that about them. They thought they were so, so very well, and I was so not. They thought they were so much better. They lived in Forest Hills, and their mom and dad drove a Rolls Royce and a Mercedes Benz, and they were rich little kids in Colonial Park. Absolutely. I'm not going to lie and say I did it. I thought that. That's how they treated me. That's how they treated me. They, they earned that. Still wrong judgment, but they... I didn't know their heart, but they, they earned... They earned that, unfortunately. And we have to just... My goal today is that you realize unfairly that that label is out there. That label, that idea of the world, the thinking we are so much better than everybody else. But what a great opportunity that we have to share Christ and to show that I am just like you. Right? I'm just like them. I'm I'm not any different. My life is not any different. Let's say it that way. My life is not any different. I have good times and I have bad times. What's different is I don't go in it at alone. I don't go by myself. And you know what? You don't have to go alone either. 
That's the difference. Can't tell you, won't promise you that it's going to be any better, but I will promise you, you won't be by yourself. That's the deal, church. That's what we have to, we have to take what the world uses as bad and we have to flip it. And we have to use it as good. Positive side of the good again. <laughs> but we have to flip that. And Job, I think Job did that. And I know God was doing that to Satan. Yeah, right? Did you think about my servant Job? Come on, Satan, throw it at me. Go ahead. Go ahead. I got that. He knew. But is that you? Is that me? Are you ready for when those trials come? When your back is up against the wall and your nephew dies at 22, is your faith able to stand that judgment or that question, that little doubt that glimmers in there? Because you know my family, you know things that we've gone through. Most of you guys were here for that. I can't tell you that that was easy. It's unnatural. We've talked about that before. But let me tell in close, for, for application's sake, you know my pet peeve of this statement. What, if God, why would God allow bad things to happen to good people? We already squashed that statement. Because why? There's no good people. There's none righteous, no, not one. So God allows bad things to happen. Why? Because it's not about us. It's about Him. And to all Him goes the glory. And the best way to glorify Him is to praise Him when things go well and to praise Him when things don't. That's exactly what we have to do. That is the strongest testimony that we're going to have to the world because everybody's going through it. Look at all those people that lost everything in Florida, in Texas. Those are physical possessions. Job lost all that. Natural disaster didn't take... Well, yeah, I guess a fire did or the wind blew his house up, so maybe that was a tornado. So yeah, he probably lost his stuff in a natural disaster as well. He used it. He had the platform to suffer well. That's hard. But here's the point. Here's the point. Like I said, my nephew died at 22. My sister lost a child. That's an unnatural death. For a parent to experience it. It shouldn't go that way, right? The older people are supposed to die off first. That's how it goes naturally. But this church, this family, had people that were able to minister to her. Why? Because they went through it too. You can't go up to somebody who lost a child and says, I understand. No, you don't. Not if you haven't lost a child. You don't understand. Don't say it. I work in a bank and when somebody comes and they, that's one of the first things they tell you to, to never say. Do not say, I understand. Oh, I ever drafted my account and I'm negative $500. I understand. Really? You do? No, you don't. Your account's not over, you know. So you never open that can of worms. You don't understand. But God gives us those circumstances for different people in this room to experience those circumstances so you do understand. And that you do have a platform to share. We all got to get up to the top of the hill and have that mountaintop experience. You can't do it unless you climb the hill. And you can't tell somebody how to do it unless you climb the hill. So when they say, you're goody-goody, 
You're better than me because you know Jesus. Yeah, and let me tell you how you can too. So flip it. Because that's the end result. That's the goal, right? That's the end game. Let's get to the point where you're in the midst of a trial and you can drop on your knees like Job did. I can't get that picture out of my mind. I kind of made this mental picture of what he looked like, scraping his head. Kind of gross, but look. Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell on the ground, and worshipped. We come here every Sunday and we worship because things are good. Maybe. Maybe they're not. Right? Things are good. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will go. The Lord gave, and he has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We sing that song, blessed be the name of the Lord, right? How much are you blessing the name of the Lord when you're crying that out in the midst of losing everything you have? Now that's true worship. I think you would agree with that. That's the challenge. When times are tough, we worship God, and when times are good, we worship God. And for you who don't, you don't know why my life is so good, even though when sometimes it's not, and why I'm not by myself, if you don't have Jesus, you are by yourself. And I'm sorry that you have to go at that alone. But how do you know, how can you know that when you die from this world, you are not going alone? There's only one way to know that you go to heaven and you're not alone for all of eternity. It was important to Job. That's what told God his character. He rose every morning and went and did a sacrifice for his kids just in case they sinned. That was, that was the most important thing to that man who had everything and needs to be important to you. If you don't know that when you leave this earth, you are not by yourself. All you have to do is accept Christ in your heart. Believe in the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's what it's about. And you will not be alone. Through, I'm not going to say, once you do that, boom, everything is good. Your life's going to be perfect. It's not. We just showed what happened to one of God's servants, and he called him my servant, Job. I hope he says that about me one day. I hope you say that too, that he says that of you. You're his servant. What a great title to be given. But that didn't protect Job, right? That was Satan's charge. Nope. But the one thing it guarantees is you're not by yourself.